You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. My name is David, one of the pastors here, and as I always do, I'm going to sneak in two more announcements. Because uh, just so you know, this uh, Tuesday, uh, we're starting a new class. So Tuesday night, we're starting a new class. It's in person and on Zoom, and we're going to be walking through First and Second Kings, which will be a lot of fun. It really will be a lot of fun. So that's coming up this Tuesday. And I just want to point out, um, we have a men's breakfast coming up. Now, it's not going to be like the women's event yesterday, because apparently they use things like tablecloths. Um, <laughs> I know, no. You have to wash them and yeah. Um, so <laughs> we have a men's breakfast coming up. And it's coming up on, on May 7th. So uh, guys, just uh, make note of that. It's going to be good. I, I've asked uh, Brad Streelaw, Pastor Brad Streelaw, who's a pastor at our um, um, town center campus, to come and speak on, on issues of, uh, of men and mental health. Uh, just looking at some of the effects that COVID has had upon so many, so many men, uh, men and women, but we're going to be focusing on men at this, uh, at this breakfast. So just make note of that, that's coming up. But uh, this morning, we are going to be starting a new series, and as you could guess, it's on the Ten Commandments. Um, now, in the history of the church, it's quite common to walk through the Ten Commandments regularly. Now, why is that? Well, partly because the Ten Commandments say a lot about who God is, what he's like, and how you and I are to live our lives. Now, having said that, when I say Ten Commandments, what feelings or what words or what response comes to the surface? Let me hear from you. Cruel? Rules. Yes, rules. The Ten Rules. I think they said cruel. Cruel rules, yeah. <laughs> what else? Structure, discipline. Oh, is that the last one? Directions. Oh, very good. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> what did you say, Dave? Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah, you're dating yourself, man. Uh, <laughs> so from the days of yore, yeah. But it's interesting to hear that, eh? Rules, structure, directions. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a weight to the Ten Commandments. Okay, well, that's interesting. I find a lot of, for a lot of people, two things come to mind. You guys have already said one of them. Rules, yeah? We're presented with a set of rules that are so difficult to follow, but we know we ought to follow them. But when we read about them, and it's all surrounded by thunder and lightning, we feel overwhelmed, and sometimes it you know, you just like, man, this is just too hard. The other thing that often comes to mind um, for some Christians is that they say Ten Commandments are rules. Yes, but they're rules for everyone. The whole world needs to follow these Ten Commandments, and the reason why this nation is in such a mess is because they're not following the Ten Commandments. Like, I grew up in Ontario, uh, and I remember the big debate was whether or not the mall should open on Sunday. It was a bit, because it, nothing should be open on Sundays. Yeah. But here's the thing. What doesn't come to mind 
readily when you think of the Ten Commandments is grace. What doesn't come to mind is that we are being presented with a great gift of grace. And so as we begin this journey through the Ten Commandments, here's what I want to invite you into. What if, what if behind the thunder and the lightning and the rules and all that sense, what if, if we listen carefully, we can hear the love of God? For his people. What if instead of of being overwhelmed by the Ten Commandments, we look at the Ten Commandments and we celebrate them? Because that's actually what Israel did. They would actually hold an annual week-long feast to celebrate the giving of the Ten Commandments. And that's what Pentecost was all about, 50 days after Passover, and where God's gift of the law was celebrated with great joy. Which begs the question, why would anyone celebrate a set of rules? Well, for at least one important reason. And I love the way our man, uh, Daryl Johnson, he's a pastor in Vancouver, the way he puts it. He says, the living and holy God speaks the Ten Commandments to protect and enhance a life of freedom. Wow. So that's going to be our working thesis over these next ten weeks. That the living and holy God speaks the Ten Commandments to protect and enhance a life of freedom. And so today, today we are going to do three things, three tasks that are before us. One, we're going to look at the context of the Ten Commandments. Secondly, we're going to look at their characteristics. And three, we're going to look at some objections that people have towards the Ten Commandments. But the first thing we need to do is kind of place the Ten Commandments in, their proper, in its proper context. What is a larger story that's taking place in which we read about the Ten Commandments? Well, the larger story of the Old Testament is a story of a promise. And it's a promise that God gives to a guy named Abraham. And the promise has two parts to it. The promise, the first part is he promises to make Abraham and his offspring into a great nation. And the second part is this, is that through him, through his offspring, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And this is a great promise, but, but right from the get-go, it runs into, into, into some pretty significant challenges because by the time you get to the book of Exodus, which is just the second book in the Bible, Israel's in a bit of a, they're in a, bit of a mess, right? They are enslaved. They're far away. They're down in Egypt. They're in slavery. And there's a leader, there's a pharaoh who's carrying out a policy of genocide against Israel. And so it's pretty, pretty dark times. But then God sets apart this fellow named Moses, whose name means to draw out. And God uses Moses to do just that, to draw his people out of Egypt. And through a series of mighty acts, God draws his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And along the way, he provides for their needs. And we find the people making their way across a desert, the wilderness, and they're grumbling and they're reluctant. But they finally arrive at the foot of a mountain. And where God informs Moses that he's going to speak to the people. I'm going to speak to the people. Now, on the ground level, the people are nervous. The people are scared. You know, God is going to speak to them. 
And they look up the mountain, and they're afraid for their leader because they know their leader is somewhere up in the mountain. They look up the mountain, and they see thunder. Or I guess you don't see thunder. You hear thunder. They see lightning and smoke and everything like that. And they're nervous. They're scared. And, 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 and what happens? What happens is, is, is that God speaks out of the thunder. And all this forms the background about what is known as the Ten Commandments. It's also known as the Ten Words, sometimes known as the Decalogue. And so we're going to look at these Ten Commandments. What are these Ten Commandments? Now, we're going to read them together. So this is kind of a cool, fun way to learn the Ten Commandments. So let's stand together. We are going to do things antiphonally. <laughs> so, so you guys on this side. Okay, so here's a line, right? You look this way, and you guys look this way, okay? So you look at each other. Don't look at me. Okay, now I should get this right. Hit the first slide just so I make sure. Okay, so you guys on this side are going to be saying this again and again, and then you guys are going to be saying the commandments. Are you with me? It's not that hard, is it? Okay, here we go. So, and I'll do both sides just so you Okay, so here we go. So together. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not make idols. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Honor your father and your mother. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not murder. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not commit adultery. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not steal. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I am the Lord God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not covet. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive what you say to us and the courage to respond to what you say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well done. Thanks. Okay, so I want to back up and I want to ask a simple but not necessarily an easy question. Why do you think God rescued his people from slavery in the first place? And this is an important question. Because on one hand, God rescues his people from oppression, from slavery. But that is only half the story. God also rescues us from oppression, from slavery. But he rescues us for a purpose. And what is that purpose? 
but to experience freedom and the fullness of life. Freedom and life are on offer here. And how does he do this? Well, he gives us the Ten Commandments. A couple weeks ago, we had a men's retreat, and uh, we had a, a fellow, George Guthrie, who's from Regent College, a New Testament guy from Regent College, come and speak. And he said something that just resonated uh, throughout the weekend. And his comment was this. He says, you know, you can't be praying for the presence of God in your life without being willing to walk in his ways. And that's really important. We can't just say, oh, I need more of you, Jesus, more of you, Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, now I need you. Ah, no, no, I just want more of you, Jesus. No, if we're going to seek his presence, we also need to be willing to walk in his ways. But that's okay because what the Bible teaches us is that there's a close connection between, you know, the ways of God and his presence and living a good life. When God's people love and keep his law, they experience life. That's why we read in Psalm 19 that God's commandments are to be more desired than gold. His ways are life-giving, all right? So that's our first task. Our second task is what I want to do is just look at some of the characteristics of the Ten Commandments, just as a way of setting things up. Let's look at uh, how the Ten Commandments begin. Well, first thing we read is the Ten Commandments begin with God reminding his people who he is, right? I am the Lord your God, right? God is reminding his people right from the start who he is. He says, I am the one. I am, I am the one who's giving you these ten words through which you will live. I am wisdom that you will never find in this world. I am the one in whom and through whom all things exist. All things hold together. All things find their meaning. And because I am, you are, you live, you breathe, you have your being. Because I am, I am, I am the Lord and I am giving you these words. And so what we are receiving in the Ten Commandments is not... Ten habits of highly effective people. We're not getting ten tips to live a better life, to become a better you. No. We're getting the Ten Commandments. And they're given to us by the author of life. And so we should pay attention. Second thing that we can notice is that the Ten Commandments begin with God reminding his people what he did. Now, this is so important. God speaks his commandments after he sets his people free. Did you get that? He speaks his Ten Commandments after he sets his people free. That means that the ways of God come after the grace of God. Man, if you mix those up, you are, again, the theological term is toast. You are in so much trouble. Because if you think, man, if I follow these rules, if I follow these rules, then and only then will God really be impressed with me. Only then will he really love me. You're done. You're so done. Because on our own, on our own strength, we can't follow these commandments. 
And if we think by doing so we're going to get in God's good books and then God's going to be happy with us, well, what happens when you stop following them? What happens when you slip up? Is he mad at you now? And I've seen so many Christians go down this road. I do this, I do this, and then God will love me. And then they mess up and they think God is mad, so I'll do some extra good things so God's back happy with me again. And it gets old, it gets tiring, and then they walk away. Because basically, they've tried to live the Christian life without the cross. Our starting point, and it's not just here, it's throughout Scripture, our starting point is grace. It begins with grace. God rescues us first, and out of this freedom, out of the freedom, he gives us the Ten Commandments. So, what does this mean? Well, it means the law is not a means of salvation. Obey God and God will love you. No. Obey God and you get to go to heaven. No. The starting point, you need to hear this, is love and grace. And this is a big warning and it's a big blessing for us. Grace is our starting point. All right? You got to get that. Man, you got to get that. Third thing is this. The Ten Commandments begin with God reminding his people who they are. Yes, they've been brought out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. But then the nagging question is, okay, they've been set free. But then the big question becomes, how are they going to live in this new reality? Basically, they've experienced a bit of a revolution and they've been set free. It's like, all right, we're free. Now what? And, and this is often a big question. I remember hearing um, um, Klaus Bachmuehl from Regent. He was talking a little bit about this. Um, it's a big question because when, when, when a person is liberated, when you go through a revolution and you're on the other side of a revolution, the big question is, okay, how are we going to live? And what often happens after a big revolution, after a big change, is two things happen. One is you have anarchy because nobody knows how to live, right? So everybody's fighting. Or you get the rise of a strong man. Uh, you get a dictator. But what we have in, the, in, in this story is a third option. And that is God himself will speak the divine law. Earl Palmer is a pastor down in, oh, he was a pastor down in Portland, puts it this way. He says, Moses goes up the mountain as the absolute ruler of the people, but he comes down just like everyone else, subject to authority. And so this is really important because it's the Ten Commandments that sets people free and it sets rulers free. It, it puts everybody on the same level. It puts everybody on even ground. Because every one of us are under God's ten words. Right? Every one of us is in the same boat. And so this is important because sometimes as leaders, we sometimes put ourselves in God's shoes or we take on uh, an authority that actually doesn't belong to us. We become symbols of God or something like that. And that, we always run into trouble when we do this. The good news of the Ten Commandments, and for you type A personalities, listen up. The good news is that you don't have to be in charge. <laughs> don't, look at, don't look at them. Don't just look straight ahead. Um, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You don't have to be in charge. You don't. But who's in charge? Well, God is. You'll, you'll be okay, right? 
And so what the Ten Commandments does, it allows every one of us to be fellow pilgrims on the way. And say, hey, not my, not my rules. These are God's rules, right? These are God's gifts. Fourth thing is the Ten Commandments are unique. This is why we're spending time on the Ten Commandments. They're unique in a number of ways. What makes them unique? Well, they're spoken directly by the voice of God to the people, not through a means of an intermediary. Secondly, they're written directly, we're told, by the finger of God, as God's direct hand on this. Thirdly, these Ten Commandments, commandments were seen as so special, they were kept in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, as a testimony throughout the ages. This is what sets them apart. The other thing about the Ten Commandments, and this is going to be fun as we walk through this, is that the Ten Commandments reveal and reflect God's nature and character. So it's not God saying, you know what, I've got to come up with some ten rules. Let's go with these. It's not like God saying to us, here, take my advice, I'll never use it, but it'll probably be good for you. No, no, if you want to understand God's character, study the Ten Commandments. Because they reflect his character. In many ways, God is painting a self-portrait. Uh, why do we not commit adultery? Well, because God himself is a faithful God. He's faithful to his covenant. Why rest on the Sabbath? Well, God teaches us. God models this by resting on the seventh day of creation. Why shouldn't we lie? Because God in his very nature is true. So if you want to actually know what God is like, study the Ten Commandments. Now, one more characteristic that I think will help us understand the Ten Commandments, and uh, I'll introduce you to an, a, a fun word, and the word is synecdoche. Now, Mark, I got this word from you, from your book. <laughs> I didn't know this word until I read it in your book, so hey, you're to blame. It took me a long time just to learn how to pronounce it. <laughs> synecdoche. Say this. Synecdoche. Now, use it three times today, and people are going to be impressed, right? That was quite the synecdoche. Um, you don't have to know what it means. Just say, yeah. Does anybody know what a, other than Mark, yeah, you know what it is. Does anybody know what a synecdoche is? Does anybody want to, yeah? I, I know, Marty, you know. Um, it's a figure of speech, and it's used in two ways. Sometimes you use some, something small to represent something big, or something big to represent something small. In this case, we're talking about something, something that's maybe this big, but represents something much bigger. So you think about, you know, we need to honor the flag. I right? think about that as an example. The flag as an example. We need to, you know, honor the flag of Canada. Why? Because it's just made out of not, some cotton? What's it made of? Like, why would we honor a piece of cloth? Well, no, no, no. It's not the cloth. It's what... It represents. It rep it, so we say the word flag, but immediately we're thinking of something much, much bigger than the flag. You know, the nation, its values, and all sorts of things. And that's kind of what we're getting at here. Um, it means that what, what is being said in the Ten Commandments actually is saying much, much more than we realize. So, for example, when we talk about Sabbath rest, yes, does that mean we need to take a day off? Well, yeah. But it's so much more than that. It affects how we look at how we raise animals. 
how we treat the land. It's got huge ramifications, much further beyond the immediate statement. And so we're going to explore that in the weeks ahead. So let's look at our last, uh, our last task today. And those are objections. Um, here's the thing. Some of you who have grown up in the church really struggle with the Ten Commandments. Other you, uh, others of you, um, you're new to church. And maybe you just started coming to church on Easter and you came on Easter and it's like, wow, this is awesome. Grace upon grace and Jesus is risen and God's love. He so loved the world. This is awesome. And now we hit you with the Ten Commandments and be like, ha, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It's the old bait and switch. Come to church. Jesus loves you. Ten Commandments. Ha, we got you. <laughs> so... <laughs> And some of you are laughing, you're like, that is exactly what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's see, let's, let's explore some of these objections. And one of the objections that I often hear people say is the Ten Commandments are so negative. They're so negative. David, that's what I don't like about Christianity, you might say. All these things you cannot do. That's why I've stayed away from the church. Because the church is all about don't do this, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, you can't do this. God seems so harsh, doesn't seem like a lot of fun. And now you're talking about freedom, but it's all thou shalt not. How is that freedom? Well, what if I said to you that there's greater freedom in a negative commandment than in a positive one. You see, a positive commandment can actually be quite limiting. Because if you're to be positive, you have to say, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, and you have to make sure you cover everything. Where a negative commandment just says, you can't do this. So let's say, for example, you go to uh, Sassamat Lake. And you see a sign, no fishing. Okay. Can I go swimming? Yeah. Can I go, you know, canoeing? Yeah. Can I, can I do this? Can I do it? Yes, 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 yes. In fact, you don't even have to lay that out. You just know one thing. You can't go fishing, but you can do everything else. It's like the Lord is in, in, in the Garden of Eden. You can, you can eat from any tree, any tree, just not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so I would argue that a negative commandment actually gives us much more freedom. And most of Western law is based on a negative, on a negative commandment of some sort. You can't you know, say what you can't do, but what's implied by that is that you can do all sorts of things other than this one thing. The other thing is uh, people will often say is that, well, the Ten Commandments, David, that's the Old Testament, and that's all about law. And I like the New Testament a lot better because it's about grace. Well, a couple of things. You have to remember, we only have one Bible. There's only one Bible. And this idea that we like the New Testament and the Old Testament's no longer binding. There's a guy named Marcion in the second century. He tried that. He's very anti-Jewish. He says, oh, anything Jewish we'll just remove and we'll just keep, you know, ideas that are Greek. Um, and one of the great things in church history is the church said, no, no. We have one Bible. The Old Testament and the New Testament, this is, this is all our scripture. 
The other thing is that if you look carefully at the New Testament, the Ten Commandments are everywhere in it. They show up everywhere. You read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's quoting the Ten Commandments left and right. In fact, he takes the commandments and he actually radicalizes them, makes them even deeper by saying, okay, what are the motives of your heart? And so if you read Jesus' teaching, if you read Paul's teaching, if you read all throughout the New Testament, you're going to find the commandments left and right. They're actually woven. The Ten Commandments are woven into the teaching in the New Testament. Okay, the last objection is this. Well, fine. I just find the Ten Commandments really hard to follow. I just honor my father and my mother. David, do you know what my mom and dad are like? You, you want me to honor them? Do you know what they did? And I have to say, keeping the Ten Commandments is not easy. Following Jesus is not easy. Keeping the Ten Commandments is not easy. And, and, here's, and this is where it gets complicated, right? Because if I see Marty, and Marty's like, wow, man, look. She's following all these commandments. She follows all Ten Commandments. I wish I could be like Marty. Well, I've already just violated coveting. <laughs> I wish I'd give it. Oh, that's coveting. I, ah! Right? It's just frustrating. Ten commandments are hard to follow. They're hard to obey. That's why a lot of people push back against having ten commandments in public buildings or in public places. Because they're reminders of how we do not measure up. But this is why we need to know the whole story of Scripture. And the Bible teaches us this key truth. This is really important. Mayor Daryl Johnson talking about this. When the Lord's people cannot rise to God's requirements, what God does not do, he doesn't lower his requirements, but he raises his people. He raises up his people. And he lifts up his people through Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus' name means, right? It means God to the rescue, and that's what he does. And we read in, this, in, 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 in the New Testament, we read about Jesus coming down from the mountain and becoming one of us, God becoming one of us. And Jesus frees us to live this life of freedom. How does he do this? Well, he does it through two things. One, he forgives us. He pardons lawbreakers. And he does so by taking the punishment that should have belonged to us upon himself, dying on the cross in our stead. And that's what Easter was all about. We were talking about that last week. And secondly, again, Jesus does not stay dead. And through his resurrection and ascension, he empowers us. He sends his empowering presence. He sends us the Holy Spirit. We receive his spirit and we are given the ability to live the life that we were meant to live. And God knows that the issue that we struggle with is the issue of our hearts. And so that is why in Jesus we are given new hearts. Do you know when the people of God received the Holy Spirit? Does anybody know when that took place? Pentecost, yeah. The people of God received the Spirit on Pentecost, interestingly, the same time 
when the people of Israel celebrated receiving the gift of the law. Now, because of Jesus Christ, you and I can revisit the Ten Commandments, not being overwhelmed, but by the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love the law, <laughs> to love the commandments, and to enter into them and to embrace them and, and, and not see them as weights, but see them as promises. Because here's the thing. When we live our lives in sync with the Ten Commandments, we live we live, our lives will flourish. And we become more and more the people we were meant to be. So let me ask you this morning, where are you at? I wish, I wish I knew the Ten Commandments growing up. I'd heard of them, but I didn't really know. I wish I had the Ten Commandments growing up. I wish I had the Ten Commandments when I was in high school, in university, my young adult days. I end up doing a lot of things. I, I live my life with my own moral, without a moral compass, essentially. I didn't know what was right, what was wrong, what was good, what was bad. And as a result, I ended up hurting a lot of people. And I ended up hurting myself. And I wish I knew. I wish I knew the ways of life. Now, I'm thankful for it now. But there's so many things I could have avoided when I was younger. If I had known about God's ways. And some of you are, are living your life right now. You're, you're in a situation where you're making choices and you know where they're leading you. You know what's, what's happening right now. You're making choices in your life, and it's killing you. It's killing your marriage. It's killing your family, and, it's, and you know where it's heading. Let this exploration of the Ten Commandments be God's gift to you at this moment in your life. Embrace his ways and live. Neglect his ways, and you and I will die. Right? So this is, this is a matter of life and death. And so that's why we're doing the Ten Commandments, and that's why we're going to keep exploring it in the weeks to come. Sound good? All right, well, let's pray. Jesus, this is, these are your words. You are the living word. And we come before you recognizing that we are completely dependent upon you. Lord, you have given us, you've given us the Holy Comforter, the Counselor, your empowering presence to lift us up. And Lord, may we approach, may we look at the Ten Commandments not as weights, but as promises for life. Lord, there's many of us here, we're making decisions apart from taking you into consideration and we're going down paths that are just are not good. And so this morning, we turn, we turn back towards you. And we ask by your spirit that you would speak the Ten Commandments into our hearts. 
that we would embrace them, we would enter into them, and we would live. That's our desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.